allow us to just uh, officially welcome everyone to our session on, wait for it guys, personal finance. Yeah, it's a very creative name, right? <laughs> um, I actually asked Mr. Tani for, for a better name for this session. And you know what he recommended, uh, Marcus? Why he did? recommended me, why not we name this session Kita Jaga Kita Finance? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no way. I, I, I'd rather just keep it. <laughs> My a bit, a uh, little bit political. <laughs> yeah, going a bit to the political side. But yeah. um, what we're going to discuss today is all about managing our own money. And whatever we're going to say, uh, be it our qualifications, uh, Marcus here is a blogger, uh, Mr. Sani is a certified financial planner, economist. I think it's safe to say whatever we're going to say is not financial advice. And uh, Mr. Sani, you guys know him. If you guys don't, he's an economist. He's a certified financial planner. He's not really a Malaysian. Uh, he's recently moved to Singapore for quite some time already. Anyway, uh, we also have Marcus here. We've been following you for quite a while. Uh, just Marcus, you want to do a brief introduction on yourself just in case the audience does not know you yet? Okay, all right. Uh, hello, my name is Marcus. Uh, this is actually my first time on Twitter space. Yeah, uh, so pardon for maybe a little bit uh, nervous. So yeah, I'm a financial blogger uh, since January 2020. Yeah, I've been sharing uh, content about stock investing and also personal finance in Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Mm, okay, so your website is... Uh... Yeah, yeah Marcus website is straightforward one. Marcus website or MarcusKeong.com. Uh, so, my blog very, is MarcusKeong.com. Yes. Very easy to yeah. yeah, as long as you know how to spell Marcus and also Kyong K E O N G. Yeah. So for those of you guys who are free right now, you can go and uh, hop on over to your laptop, go and visit the website. I find it really helpful. Uh, there's a lot of tips and tricks about how to get started with investing. So Marcus, actually, why did you decided to start a blog or a website? And uh, what what's your background like? Are you are you are you like in finance or, or, or are you like an engineering student or probably a doctor or whatnot? Hmm. So uh, let us start with the first question. So why I decided to start the blog? So essentially, uh, begin with my story. Uh, since I started my stock investing journey in March twenty nineteen. Then I found out uh, there are not many blogs or YouTube channels that talk about stock investing, uh, especially for Malaysians. So I was just thinking, why don't I start one myself and start sharing my stock investing journey? So uh, yeah, I decided to... That time I already have my own uh, hosted blog. So I rebrand my blog into Marcus Kiong in uh, 1st of January 2020, then I start sharing my uh, stock investing uh, journey actually. So uh, I started with my uh, portfolio sharing, which uh, now I don't do anymore because I have other commitment, yeah, especially my daughter. So yeah, this is uh, why I started. This is all because of the my stock investing journey. And yeah, a little bit background uh, myself. So um, I'm a software engineer. Uh, I'm working full-time as a software engineer for around eight years already. I'm currently married uh, with uh, now a two-year-old daughter. 
we are dual income family and three of us are living in our own house uh, in Malacca. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. And um, mainly your blog is just to write about the investment and stock picking strategies. Uh, do you cover other aspects as well? Let's say about crypto or uh, the, the other side of the finance sector? I did cover a little bit about crypto, but yeah, I'm not uh, so deep into it. My current crypto portfolio is just a uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And actually, yeah, just I just invested a little portion of my total investment in crypto. And other than that, yeah, most of my investment is in stock. Yeah, stocks, uh, especially in index fund now. I see. Okay, so we'll definitely get more into uh, detail uh, as the session progresses. Lah. But let me just hop on over to Mr. Sunny. Mr. Sunny, how are you? Are you still there? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the audience pretty much knows who you are already. Lah. But anyway, for those, of pe- for those of you guys who do not know, you might want to do a, just a very quick introduction on yourself and whether you are married or not because uh, Marcus decided to uh, dox himself, his family. So you might want to dox yourself also. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm I'm uh, an economist by by tra- by training. Um, I currently work for a financial advisory firm here in Singapore, uh, which has a branch in in Malaysia also. Uh, I'm Malaysian. I'm from Kuantan. I'm I'm still Malaysian. Um, working here in Singapore for for quite some time. Ever since my SPM, uh, after my SPM, I came down here to do my A level. So I've been here for about thirty over years, so basically, it's 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 I'm so called domus out here, but still very much a, a Malaysian. Um, I do asset allocation for my company. I'm an investment director. Um, so I look a lot at markets. I read a lot. Um, but at the same time, I am a qualified, certified financial planner, CFP holder. Um, so I do every now and then give a lot of talks um, on on cash management um, and these kind of things, especially for what we call the uh, lower income um, um, zakat recipients. For those of you who know about zakat and and such, so yeah, it's an area of interest for for me basically. Yeah. So today's topic, we definitely have a lot of things to talk about mm-hmm. because uh, it's highly requested from everyone. Uh, followers uh, direct messaging us asking us to do a session, do a Spotify session on personal finance. I also have some of my Patreon members asking me to do it. And I was looking on the web and seeing, who should I ask this time? Definitely, I will ask Mr. Sunny, but uh, apart from Mr. Sunny, who should I ask? Then I bumped across Marcus and, and here we are, guys. This is why we are uh, doing the session here today. And let's just, let's just dive into the topic straight away. Uh, we have quite a few questions for these talented speakers of the night. We'll start the uh, session quite broadly. Let's say I'm new to personal finance. Okay, let's say I don't know uh, what what personal finance is. Blah blah blah. Uh, Marcus, what's the first most important lesson that one must learn before they start to do anything? <clears throat> yeah, mm, that's a good question. <laughs> so uh, basically, when yeah, just uh, when I start on my personal finance journey. So I thought it's about uh, saving as much as I can, but actually it's not. So personal finance, I think the most important lesson is about having a long-term thinking on money. So I would like to share some story uh, on uh, one of my uncles that 
when he was young, right, he works in KL and he tries, yeah, everyone works in KL, the purpose is to earn money, right? So he tried to save uh, money by eating Maggi noodle every day. <laughs> so, yeah, we know how, how it will end, right? So because of the overconsumption on salt, so he end up with uh, some heart disease and, yeah, in uh, being hospitalized. Uh, that will cost him, yeah, more money than he saves money. So, yeah, don't ever sacrifice your health just for the sake of money. So that's one long-term mindset. Another point I would like to add is uh, always choose quality over quantities if possible. So one example is uh, smartphones. I used to love to buy cheap phones that were uh, not more than 1,000 ringgit. At first, it sounds clever, right, not to spend too much. But over time, my phone always has problems after a few months of usage. So uh, one day, I decided to buy a high-end smartphone. It's not an iPhone. It's actually a Xiaomi. But I have been using it until today for like four years or five years already. So I never regret uh, spending uh, some money on the high-end phone. So quality over quantities. Yeah, that's a, another long-term uh, mindset on money. Yeah, that I would like to share with all of you here. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, the, the approach you have right here is, uh, if, if I would put it into a uh, bahasa, English bahasa. <laughs> Is this a pennywise pound foolish, right? It's, it's, it's you end up saving uh, like one, two ringgit, okay? But at the end of the day, you become so, uh, if, if, I'm, if, if I get the meaning right, you become so, uh, sometimes you spend, uh, you become reluctant to spend on big items. Like, and and like, like what you said, health is important. Uh, make sure to prioritize health and, and, and don't just save money for the sake of uh, saving money. Mr. Sunny, what do you think? The first most important lesson about money that, one must know about um well it's it's quite relevant to me because i've got two teenage boys whom um are coming to that age where they will start to i know i've trained them all the while to to manage money themselves um but you know um when you're young sometimes it's a bit difficult to get them to listen to you but um i've got one who's going into um um so-called in fact on Wednesday, he's going to register or in, enlist for the two-year mandatory uh, national service here in Singapore. Um, so he will then get an allowance um, by, by, by serving in the national service. So he will need to manage his money uh, from then on, his real money, his own money, <laughs> because all this money comes from me. So um, I think the, the answer to the question is what is the most important principle uh, which I would teach my two kids, um, well, it would be basically to ensure that every single month um, uh, you actually spend less than you earn. Very simple concept. Um, I think everybody's just going to look at me and say, I mean, that's quite obvious, but actually the case is it's not very obvious. Um, if I were to ask everybody in the room today, and I'm not sure how many people there are in this particular chat room today, if I were to ask you um, how much do you earn every month, everybody will simply just tell me um, this much because I know 
how much I earn. If I were to ask you, when do you receive that incoming money? Everybody would tell me, well, on the 31st, well, on the 1st, on the 2nd, on the 5th. Everybody basically knows when their salary comes in or when their commission comes in and such because we're all waiting for the money. Okay, um, But if I'm going to just flip it around and ask how many of you know exactly how much you spend every month, um, in the same manner, uh, in the same sensitivity that you know how much you receive, i.e. you know exactly what your your amount of spending is, I, I doubt many people will know. I'll be very surprised if more than 10% of people um, in this room will know how much they spend every month. And that's quite common, isn't it? You know? So if you know how much you spend, sorry, if you know how much you earn and you don't know how much you spend, it's quite impossible for you to know whether every single month you are actually um, in a positive situation or in a negative situation with regards to your balances. Um, and that's very important because many of us go through life without realizing that every single month we are in a negative situation. And there are repercussions for being in a negative situation because once you spend more than you earn, um, that negative number that you come up with every single month needs to be financed in a certain way because you've just overused more than you've earned. So if every month you um, katakan ah, minus 300 ringgit, 300 ringgit, minus 300 because you've overspent, that 300 ringgit that you've overspent either needs to be financed via your assets you have to go into your savings to, to get money to pay for it. You have to sell your shares. You have to redeem your ASB, whatever the case is. Your assets have to decrease in order to pay off the additional $300 that you've spent. If you don't have assets, then that $300 automatically translates into hutang or debt, i.e. you don't pay. It ends up on your telecom, cellcom bill, as an unpaid amount. It ends up as a particular bill, utility bill of an un unpaid amount. So you must remember that every single month that you're negative, every single month that you overspend, um, either your assets decrease or your debts increase. That, I think, is the biggest, most important, to me, the biggest, most important lesson I could impart to my kids and even to everybody in this room today because... If you want to be an asset accumulating individual household, then you need to ensure that you're positive every month. If not, you will find yourself as an individual which increasingly puts on a lot of debt month after month after month. And sometimes you don't feel it because it's minus 100 this month, minus 300 next month, minus 200. And a lot of time we term it as like it's cancerous you don't see it because it grows slowly. But when you start to discover it, it becomes too late because it's stage four and it's just too big to handle. Yeah, so that would be my, my, my one aim. If there's anything I would like my kids to, 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 to hang on, hang on to uh, for the rest of their life is to ensure that basically um, whatever they spend doesn't exceed whatever they earn on a monthly basis. Wow, Mr. Sang, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, okay, and, and the concept itself is very simple to understand. Like what you said, uh, spend less than you earn. But it's always, I think, easier said than done. I think majority of the audience right here will say that, yeah, okay, spend less than you earn. That's, that's, that's easy to say. But how? How, how do we actually 
uh, get into the habit of spending less than we earn? Does it start with calculating how much you spend or how do you actually do it, Mrs. Sunny? Yeah, so so that's right. So so the biggest question mark is basically what you spend because you know what you earn. And so therefore, in order to arrive at that balance, whether you're positive or negative, you need to know that middle part, which is what how much you spend. So how much you earn minus how much you spend equals to balance. So you need to track your your spending. Uh, a lot of people track it nowadays using some apps where it's quite quite cool. You can actually take take pictures of your receipts and then you can lump it into whether it's utilities, uh, uh, makanan, uh, transportation and stuff like that. So you get a very nice kind of, um, uh, 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 at the end of the day, the apps will, 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 will group your spending into various groups and such. But at the end of the day, I think the, the big number is the important one. Um, and if you come up with a number, let's say, for example, um, you're earning 3000 and your end number on a consistent basis, spending is 3005 And therefore, consistently, you are overspending by $500 a month. And that means uh, your savings is being depleted at $500 a month consistently every single month, as, assuming you have savings. If you don't have savings, means your debt, your hutang is increasing $500 or 500 ringgit every month consi- consistently. Over 12 months, that's $6,000 worth of hutang. So I, I'll just give you a very uh, very quick example to, to, to illustrate um, why some people don't realize this. When I gave a talk once before. I, I, I outlined this. Um, this man came to me after the talk. He said, Cik Sani, you know, a Malay, he's a Malay chap, Malay guy, Pakcik. He said, Cik Sani, saya setiap bulan datang bill, bill air saya bayar. Datang bill bank daripada credit card semua saya bayar. Tapi akhir-akhirnya, Asyik bayar, asyik bayar, tapi hutangnya tak turun-turun pun. Uh, he was very frustrated. He was angry. He was saying, ni bank ni penipu lah, ada riba lah. Oh, which is true, riba. That one is a separate story. But I told him, I said, look. I said, Cik, uh, saya, saya rasanya saya tahu apa masalah Cik ni. Cik, Cik ni setiap bulan, Cik ambil hutang baru. Itu masalahnya. And he was shocked. He asked me, tak adalah Cik Sani, saya tak masuk bank ambil hutang baru. I didn't go into the bank. I didn't take any new debts. I didn't sign any new credit card. I didn't sign any new loans. Where does the new hutang come from? He asked me. I said, itulah Cik. I said, your hutang is not the hutang yang nyata. It's not the hutang, the debt which is obvious. It is the hutang yang tak nyata. The, the, the debt that you can't see. And what is this debt that, that you can't see? This is the negative balance that you create every month unconsciously. Because today, in this room, I, I can bet you 90% of us probably have negative balances and we don't even know about it because we never bother to track our expenditure. And without tracking your expenditure, you don't know what your balance is. Again, formula, very simple. Um, money in, salary, commission, whatever the case is, minus money out equals balance. You don't know that money out part, that you're in, it's impossible for you to know your balance. So a lot of people get trapped into this Every month, there's leakages, there's leakages, there's leakages, and they just don't know. I can give you an idea of the symptoms of if you have a negative balance. If you feel that you've been paying and paying and paying, and your debts keep on increasing, it doesn't decrease. If you look at your bank balances, it starts to decline every single month. Those are symptomatic or those are symptoms of someone who has a negative balance without realizing it because it drains your assets and it increases your debts without you even realizing or despite the effort that you put in. So that's really why it's so important for everybody to sit down one fine day, hopefully very soon, and measure out 
write out and 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 look at your your budget and say, oh, I'm actually negative every single month. I didn't realize it. Now I know why my savings is being depleted. Now I know why my debts cannot come down. So that's an important exercise that everybody should be doing now. Yeah, so you guys uh, in the audience, please take note. Um, you have uh, probably some homework to do tonight or probably this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to procrastinate, guys. Remember to take out a notebook or something. Like, go, and, go ahead and track your spending to be able to see whether you're one of those victims of a negative balance or not. But Marcus, I want to put the ball to you. I want to pass the ball to you. Do, what do you think about spending less than you earn? Uh, what do you think about Mr. Sunny said, uh, what Mr. Sunny said just now? And how do you actually... Uh, manage your money so how do you actually save enough money each month to ensure that you have uh, investment blah 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 <clears throat> okay uh, I think Mr. Sunny yeah says a lot of things that I really agree which is uh, many people know how much they earn but they don't know how much they spend yeah it's a very true story uh, among my peers and friends around me right because I always, uh, I like to talk money with my friends, but my friends like, just like to ignore me. I will, I will ask them how much you spend every month, right? But it's like oh, almost uh, 9 out of 10, they, they have no idea how, how to do it. But I want to share one quote <clears throat> with all the listeners here. So uh, I did share this quote, I think, uh, that in, the, in one of my tweets. What get measures, get managed. So I believe... Uh, anyone who is uh, <clears throat> interested to learn about personal finance, I think this is also one of the uh, important lessons for money, which is uh, to start uh, measure how much uh, you spend, right? You know how much you earn, but not everyone knows how much you spend. Yeah, so I totally agree with what uh, Mr. Sunny said about yeah, knowing your expenses. Then only you can achieve... Uh, positive balance right in the end of the day and, and and how do you actually recommend people to track their spending do, do you like uh, have them to take out a notebook and, and write down whatever they are, they are currently uh, spending or do you have like a special app which you use every day or every month mm, all right yeah i forgot about that question all right uh i actually started with an app called uh, andro money yeah, I use a lot of apps, but I found Android Money to be quite useful. But currently, I'm sticking to uh, uh, an app called Blue Coins. This is only an Android, uh, only available in Android version, but it's not available in App Store currently. So, uh, aside from apps, right, I also have uh, my own spreadsheet that will uh, track uh, one years, one whole years of my expenses. Why I do it in Especially is because I created a few uh, graph, bar chart, and uh, a bit of, I think, pie chart that uh, allow me to look at uh, my expenses in the uh, bird eye view. So I also share this spreadsheet with everyone uh, that follow me. And I also created a YouTube video uh, tutorial about it, how to uh, track your expenses. So you guys can actually check out my uh, link that I share in my Twitter profile. Yeah, that will link to my uh, one of my YouTube uh, videos that share about my expenses tracker uh, on Google Spreadsheet. Yeah, so basically I use Google Spreadsheet and also an app 
to track my expenses and I do it in a daily basis. So every day uh, at the end of the day, like uh, I set a reminder every day, 9 p.m., I will track my expenses. Uh, at start, you will feel like it's a big chore, right? It's a call that, that you need to do it every night. But uh, once you get used to it, right, it becomes a habit. It's already become my habit actually, but sometimes I still forget. So that's why I still set a daily reminder to remind myself every day at the end of the day to track my expenses. Because uh, trust me, after one week, you will sure forget what you eat uh, two days ago, three days ago, how much you spend on the food, you will sure forget. So that's why I like to track my expenses in a daily basis. Yeah, that's all about uh, how I track my expenses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what would you say is very true. La. If you ask me what I ate, even two days ago, I don't even remember already. I probably, <laughs> I remember what I ate this afternoon only. Uh, I think I think I had some uh, nice Japanese food, but yesterday I don't even remember what I had. Mrs. Sunny, do you remember what, what you had for lunch today? Oh. <laughs> no, I don't. Ah, see, okay, I, I, caught, I, I caught you red-handed already. You didn't check your spending. Yeah, but I think, I think the, 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 you see, the way I, I do it is basically um, I get my salary every month, of course. Um, automatically, I will set up, or I have set up what we call standing orders, standing instructions for the part of my salary to go into different accounts. So 10% goes into, so I have a couple of accounts. Uh, I don't just have one bank, I have a couple of bank accounts. Um, so for example, one, 10% goes into this particular account because this particular account is to settle all my gyro payments. 10% goes into another account because this account is for another particular reason for car payments and, and so on. So I, I have a habit, or rather it's a reset up. So, let's say, for example, 100% of my salary comes in on the first of every month, okay? Um, the, over the next two days, all these things will start moving out into the so-called various accounts and automatically to go to bill payments which are reoccurring. So, um, for example, my car. Uh, I don't, actually, I don't, I don't own a car. I rent a car. So, every month, I have to pay rental on the car itself. Um, so automatically, I, I, uh, money goes out to pay rentals, even before I receive the bill on the on the rental payment, which is sometimes coming in on the second or third week. Um, uh, $350 goes out to pay my so-called maintenance fee. I stay in a condo, so it goes out to pay my maintenance fees. Although the maintenance fees is only billed every quarter. So every quarter, I receive a bill for about $900. But because I paid $350 every single month, that works out to be 1050 when the bill comes uh, it's basically zero in fact there's a there's a credit to me because i've overpaid a bit um, and that credit accumulates over time so i i when i think the last time i opened my my uh, maintenance fee uh, uh bill it was minus 1000 so basically the condo owns, owes me 1000 dollars. but effectively what happens is if i if ever i got retrenched if ever i didn't have the ability to pay this particular maintenance fee then at least i have about a quarter or two quarters worth of um, uh, um, um, credit there to settle it without me touching it, without me having to top up or such. Um, so, so what happens is by the third or fourth of every month, I'm basically very poor. <laughs> I only left with about 30% of my salary um, um, that's in my original salary account because everything just gone out, grabbed out, uh, pushed out to somewhere else. Uh, but at the same time, what that means is I don't have to think about paying bills because I know 
the majority of my bills, 90% of my bills have been paid because it's all gone to somewhere. Even my utility bills, uh, because I know every month uh, I spend about $250 Sing dollars on utility, it goes to, I prepay my utility bills. So that when the bill comes, it's always either zero, negative, sometimes plus if I overspend a bit, my kids use too much electricity or water, then there's a little bit of balance I have to top up one such. But normally the, the it takes it, it averages out. So what happens is I'm left with 30% of my salary in my in my account. And that's the 30% which I have to be disciplined enough to make it last for the rest of the month. So how I spend it, what I spend it on, really, it's a question of what I want to. Um, it's just that I have to make sure it stays within this 30%. And this actually is something which um, I kind of learned when I started to give talks to the um, lower-income families um, um, many, many years for many years ago. The, the, and sorry to deviate a bit, but I think it's a good lesson for everybody to learn. Um, we always thought that at the very beginning, many years ago, the, the, the way trainers would teach people how to manage the money is don't over, uh, don't, not only don't overspend, don't spend on unnecessary stuff. Hey, you are actually from uh, a B40, uh, lower income. Why are you buying iPhones? Why are you buying Samsung? Why are you giving your kids all these things? Why do you have internet at home and such? You know, you, you know these kind of things. Um, um, you know, you, you know that. We, of course, you don't say it directly, but you know, you're, you're from that category where you can only spend on necessities and you, don't need, you shouldn't be spending on these luxurious items. That was really the way a lot of trainers used to think. But the realization then came that actually uh, the feedback or the pushback from people in the B40 category was, you know, these are sometimes the only things which I can enjoy. These are things which I look forward to. And therefore, who are you to tell me not to spend on these things? That was the pushback trainers get when you sometimes talk to people from, from the B40 category. And it's very true. You can imagine yourself in this B40 category and people trying to dictate what you can and cannot spend your money on. It's very frustrating for them. So at the end of it, the, the whole thing was turned around whereby now today we teach people in, in, in this B40 category and this can be applied to everybody else here in this room today that I don't doesn't matter to me what you spend your money on. Okay? F that is clear. You yourself can choose what you want to buy or you don't want to buy whatever the case is. You just have to maintain what this one principle, which is whatever you spend cannot exceed whatever you earn at the end of the day. Okay, so for example, me, I'm left with 30% of my salary for the rest of the month. If I want to go and buy an iPhone on that particular month itself, if I haven't saved up for it and I just go and buy and it eats up 20% of, 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 of my um, 30% and I'm left with just 10% for food for the rest of the month, I I have to, I then have to sacrifice uh, the food that I eat. <laughs> Instead of having my normal Japanese meals like Yusinji, I would just have to have, you know, uh, plain old rice and, and whatever the case is. So from that context, what this teaches us is that, fine, you want to spend on something a bit more expensive, go ahead, but there needs to be sacrifice. So something has to be sacrificed for you to obtain that other thing that you want to take okay so so i think this this keeping within your means principle or concept allows people to move into purchasing something that they like but at the same time learning that they have to sacrifice something else 
Yeah. Otherwise, you know, the budgets will be bursted, uh, burst. You'll be negative balances. Ah, those doesn't work. They, those those things don't work. So so, um, the end of the day, the 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 principle basically is yeah, can go ahead if you want to go and buy something expensive. Uh, you have two choices. Either you, in, on that month itself, you sacrifice um other things which you used to enjoy normally, or every single month start saving up so that when you need to make that purchase, you don't have to sacrifice that much during that month. So this is something which I think is also an important principle, uh, which people ought to be following. Yeah, wow. We you covered a lot of things right there. Like just allow me to unpack it quickly. Uh, first of all, it's uh, pay your bills, pay your debts first. Uh. You use an automated tool like like what you mentioned just now, so that everything gets automatically paid, and you're left with uh, like what you said, thirty percent. And and it's all about give and take, right? There's always consequences in what you can decide to spend. I I really like on what you talked about uh, that you don't limit what people spend on, especially the B40s. You don't discourage them to buy Starbucks or whatnot because a lot of financial books out there, they, 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 they just try and dictate what you spend. You know, they, go, they just go like, oh, if you're a smoker, you smoke a cigarette a day, one pack a day, this is how much you spend per year. Uh, but you, you flip it another way, you put it in a different perspective and you say that, okay, there's consequences. Okay, you, you, It's not trying to say that you cannot smoke, but just remember that at the end of the day, at the end of the month, make sure you have a positive balance and make sure that that balance is uh, not negative. Okay, So yeah, a very interesting set of thoughts that we discussed just now and we are still on the first question. Wow, already uh, almost 45 minutes gone. But let me just hop on over to the next question. I think the next question is catered towards the more younger younger people. Okay? People like my generation, we call it the millennial generation, aged between uh, 20 to 30. Usually people at uh, my age, we don't really have a lot of responsibilities. Just now we covered a lot on uh, the, the middle age group, Okay, those people who have uh, kids, those people who have responsibilities. But I'm just going to throw an example, a very simple example to Marcus over here. Okay, Let's say I'm a student currently. I am studying, let's say, uh, I don't know, maybe at Taylor's University. My dad pays for my fees. My pa- I stay in my parents' house. I have no financial responsibilities. I have no debts, nothing. I have about, uh, let's say, uh, on average, uh, 500 ringgit of allowance per month, okay, which my dad gives me. What can I do with my money? If uh, I were to approach you, you with this question, Marcus. <clears throat> All right. Um, this... Mm, okay, let me think. So first, you said you are... You just graduate, okay? You are living in the parents' house, so you have no, no financial, let's say, commitment. So, first thing first, uh, everyone, when we talk about investment, right? We we'll talk about okay, what investment we can, uh, make uh, invest in our money to make more money. But actually, I will always suggest to invest in uh, our own knowledge first. Is because. If we don't have uh, enough knowledge, especially on uh, investing, then we may do some reckless thing that might cost us more money than uh, building our wealth, right? Uh, that's the purpose of investing, right? So I will always recommend to uh, use that money and also the abundance of time, okay, to start investing in uh, your knowledge. So, uh, the knowledge can be uh, in terms of uh, if you are interested in stock investing, just like me, you can sign up for a course or buy some books to understand more about uh, stock investment. 
it doesn't apply only on stock investing. You can learn, you can upskill yourself in like, let's say you are a software engineer like me, you can learn some extra uh, skill in, let's say, uh, doing a web development, front end, back end, and become a full stack developer to increase your uh, value so that you can seek for another uh, high paying job. Okay, that is also an, uh, a form of investment that I will always recommend uh, the fresh grade that uh, just graduate and uh, have a, a steady uh, income of uh, full-time job, uh, steady income. Okay, so uh, because you don't have any financial burden and you are maybe still single or maybe you already have a girlfriend, boyfriend, but you're, you're, you still have a lot of time to invest in. So I would recommend to invest in your knowledge first. But after that, if you have uh, confidence, okay, to start uh, investing your money, okay, uh, first thing I would like to uh, say, there are two paths you can, let's say, okay, because I'm I started with stock, stock investing, right? So I will uh, talk about more in stock investing. So what are the best investment options for a beginner? So I have two options here. One is the easy mode and another one is the hard mode. So for me, I have personally for me, I chose the hard mode first because I didn't know about the path for the easy mode. Okay, so what is the hard mode? It is to start by investing in Malaysian individual stocks. So uh, I, I believe many of us who start uh, started stock investing will be follow the same path as me because the Malaysian individual stock is uh, very accessible for Malaysians. So we never thought about uh, other options like US index funds. Later I'll talk about that. So uh, why is it, why I call this the hard mode for stock investing by uh, yeah, mentioning the Malaysian individual stock. So because you need, to you need time to research every company you are interested to invest in and also you need to understand a lot of jargon such as P ratio, return of equity, ROE, payout ratio, gearing ratio, all this kind of jargon. I took a lot of time to understand this. So uh, the advantage of taking this hard mode, right? The benefit of this is you can earn a lot of money, but of, of course that the risk is also high. You may lose a lot of money as well. And uh, it will also uh, set you up in uh, understanding a lot of uh, in terms of business and investing. So uh, this is a hard mode path. So what about easy mode? The easy mode is uh, what I'm currently doing now. It's just, just invest in US index fund, especially the S&P 500. So uh, why is it easy? Okay, because uh, one, U.S. index fund, especially S&P 500, is proven to have a decent average return of 10% every year. So you may wonder why I highlight the average. It's because uh, stock investing is not like what you think. It's like every year you get 10%, 10%, 10%. No, it's not like that. It's because uh, you need to invest for a very long term, at least 5 to 10 years, okay, to have that average 10%. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm giving you the uh, realistic uh, statistic of uh, S&P 500. So the return of S&P 500 in 2021 
is 28% of return. You just invest in 2021, yeah, you get 28% return of your money. But in 2022, it's negative 19%. So it's not uh, average 10%, it's, it's up and down. So to invest in stock, you need to have that patience and also the, uh, how to say, the, the, the stomach to, to enough stomach to stomach that risk, this kind of risk, okay, invest in the long term, okay, to, to, to ride that roller coaster ride, the emotional roller coaster ride, so that you can get the uh, average return of that uh, index fund. So this is the easy mode. Oh yeah, one thing I forgot to mention, why, why it's called easy mode, right? It's because uh, index fund is uh, naturally diversified in, uh, for SME 500, is 500 companies. So when you invest in one index fund, meaning you already invest in 500 company, yeah, and, and, and with your money. So you only need to focus on one investment, all right? And another thing is you save a lot of time from doing research because you only just need to stick with one investment. Unlike the hard mode, which you need to do a lot of research on different companies, then the companies may change in management and also the cash flow, everything, yeah. That's why I call that a hard mode. So, uh, so should you, so as a fresh grade, should you choose the hard mode or the easy mode? Uh, I will say it depends on what's your goal, right? If you are, uh, you, you, you have a growth mindset that you would like to make yourself uh, more knowledgeable uh, in understanding the business and investing, go for the hard mode. If you just, if you want to allocate your time to like spending your time with friends, family, and you don't want to spend too much time on uh, investing, so easy mode is for you. Yeah. So that is my uh, yeah mm -hmm. advice uh, or recommendation on that. Yes. Yeah. I I mean that's a very good suggestion. I, at, at the end of the day, I think. Uh, there's always a fee, okay? The market teaches you things. You can, uh, I, I was literally like what you said, I went head on into the hard mode. I started investing in the Malaysian stock market, I think around uh, 2021, February 2021. And I got burnt really badly. As I'm still holding quite a few stocks right now. And uh, without even having any knowledge of any stocks, I went straight head on. And at the end of the day, the market teaches you stuff. There's always a fee to pay. Whether you pay that fee in terms of books, knowledge, or, or investing in the easy mode, like what Marcus said, or you pay it the hard way. You lose your money, you end up FOMOing into things you're not supposed to FOMO into, which I think some of the people in the audience can relate to me because the crypto industry itself last year, uh, in 2021 especially, everybody thought everything was going up forever and we had no knowledge. We thought investing is super easy and now we learn the lesson the hard way. Okay. Uh, I also want to just pass the ball to Mr. Sunny. Mr. Sunny, same question. You know, mm -hmm. like, Let's say I'm a student. I have about, let's say, 500 ringgit per month. Uh, do you think what Marcus said just now is relatable? Do you think that one should actually go with the easy mode with the S&P 500 index or do you have a different perspective? Well, um, okay, so we're talking about investing, right? Or are we talking yeah. about in, in general yeah. what should the person do with the 500? It's, it's up to you. I mean, you, oh, you, okay. you, okay. yeah, it's okay. up to you on how you want to uh, uh, serve okay. the ball. Okay. Right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm all, I always bring this back to my own personal experience. So let's say if my kid, for example, 500 bucks, if he were to ask me what should I do it, what should I use the 500 bucks for? 
um, uh, my first answer to him is, um, here's your here's your insurance policies. You pay for it now <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> you see, like for all my kids, I've got I've got um, hospital plans for them, and I uh, with especially hospital plans, I don't have the life policies for them. I'm a firm believer that. Um, and people have approached me with this kind of question. Oh, I just graduated. You know, saya baru keluar universiti. Saya baru dapat kerja. You know, what should I be investing in? Exactly the same question. Uh, my answer is: Have you actually covered yourself in terms of your insurance and also your hospitalization? And they look at me and say, "Saya tanya pasal investment. You check up pasal insurance." <laughs> and the answer is basically is this. You know. The reason I'm saying such is, um, you know, your parents have brought you up. For, for for the longest time, put you through school, spend a lot of money on you. I've spent so much money on my kids itself, themselves, um, um, given them an education. Hopefully, they become good people, productive people and such. So, you've come out to work, you've started to earn, earn your own money. Okay. Um, if tomorrow, the next day, unfortunately, you get knocked down by a car, you you suffer some sort of injury, and worst case, you become in a vegetative state and such, I have to then look after you for the remainder of your life, I have to pay your hospital bills. And guess what? I've you know I've just I've just financed your whole education or whole fifteen years of your education, and now I have to go. And... So if you start to earn your own money, you take care of this responsibility first, okay? And to ensure that I don't have to, you don't burden your parents anymore if anything does happen to you. So a simple hospital plan takes care of your hospital hospitalization. A simple three hundred dollar. Sorry, a simple three hundred thousand term policy at someone at the age of twenty, which will cost you, I don't know, very little, couple of hundred dollars a year, takes care of that risk of total permanent disability of death. At least if you happen to pass on at a very young age, you still give a little bit back to your parents who have brought you up for so long. So these small little things, which don't take a lot, I think, from your from your five hundred ringgit or six hundred ringgit that you have, helps to put at ease. This part where I'm now responsible for my finances, and the most responsible thing for me to do is to make sure that no one else needs to look after me financially if anything happens to me. Once I settle that, I'm. This is a big responsibility which I've covered. Then, with the remaining money, I start to look into the investment side. Okay, so then you know, so 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 you you get to sleep. You, you you see better night better at night because you know you've you've done your part um, to 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 safeguard. Uh, your parents and yourself uh, from any catastrophe and stuff. Okay, then with the investment, I would say, uh, I think what Marcus has, has mentioned is is correct. Um, I would always, I would um, recommend because it's not a big amount. What what's left, um, and sometimes investments require larger amounts. I'm not particularly familiar with the KLCI. What is your minimum number of shares? Do, can it be broken down to 100 shares? Um, because sometimes even 100 shares requires a couple of hundred dollars in order for you to obtain it. Um, so sometimes what we call um, um, unit trust, um, the, the, the entry level, the entry amounts are smaller. Um, you know, 100 ringgit can get you in on a monthly basis, what we call regular savings and such. So my, my advice is when you have a small amount of money, um, important thing is to engage yourself into some of these investments, um, $100 into uh, a global equity fund, $100 into a Sukkot fund, $100 into a, a Go fund and stuff. Because when you are engaged, 
that's when you pay attention to these things. That's when you start to want to learn. And I think Marcus and many other uh, people from this generation, that's how they start off. When they, when, they dip tip, uh, when they dip their toes in the market, that's when they start to learn. And, and the headlines suddenly make sense to them because last time without being invested, you just do not care about the headlines. Now you see, oh, wow. Federal Reserve cost market, what's happening? Why, 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 why? So you you ask questions, you start to learn. So I think that's um in, in this beginning stage, um, um getting involved, getting your toes wet, um, dipping your toes in the market is important because you start to learn, it's a learning process. It's only when you start to gather a lot more um, um ammunition in terms of size, I think that's when it gets become a bit more serious. Um, where you start to make allocations uh, um, for longer-term objectives and such. Those are a lot of good points you mentioned over there. Like just make sure that you can manage yourself financially yeah, and, and then don't be a burden to your parents. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so have, yeah. you, have, you, have you bought your insurance? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I'm actually quite lucky. I like to settle the insurance for me, so uh, I, I, I don't have to worry about that so far. But you pointed out a lot of good things also. Like, I have to take a look at, uh, diversify my assets. Uh, because one of my, I would say my biggest regret in the year of 2021-2022 is that you know I allocated too much in one sector alone. And that was only the crypto sector. Had I diversified, uh, then probably my losses would be uh, not so heavy. Uh. All right, uh, we are actually transitioning to the Q&A session soon. I just only have one more question for these two speakers over here. For those of you guys who have any questions regarding personal finance or whatnot, do not hesitate to step up, okay? Just request to be a speaker. I will immediately approve you. And you can join the panel over here. You can just ask them whatever you feel like asking. Okay, you can even, you can even uh, ask Mr. Sunny what's his dinner last night, okay, just to make sure he, he remembers or whatnot. Uh, otherwise, if you're a bit shy, you can actually, uh, you see the bottom right, there's this comment section over there. You can just comment the questions. Or if you're even more shy than that, you can just DM me, Mr. Sunny. I think Marcus, you're accepting DMs or so, right? So uh, you can just DM either, either of us. Uh, and, and, and we will take a look at uh, how to address your questions without... Uh, uh, if you want to stay anonymous, we'll keep you anonymous. Okay. So the last question from me for the speakers tonight is, what are you guys currently doing to beat inflation? Okay. I mean, let's dive right into it. Like, inflation right now is much too high. Okay. Uh, the average global figure, last I checked, was about 7.4, 7.6. In the US, December's figure, December's figure came out at 7.1. Malaysia... We are at 4%, quite low. But despite this, we are looking at bread prices, we are looking at noodles, we are looking at basic necessities going up at least 20, 30, maybe even 50%. Okay? And it is biting into a lot of people's wallets. Lah. So I'll, I'll just pass the ball to Marcus. What are you currently doing you know, in the era of inflation? How, how do you, uh, uh, what, what are you doing to beat this price increases? <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't have any special advice. You, it's just like uh, every every day that I do, just spend below what you earn, and spend below your mean, and also keep yeah keep tracking on your expenses to keep track of what you spend right. So you always make sure you always have some savings, okay? Uh, especially emergency fund, I will always recommend three months to six months, right? So if you don't have any of that saving yet, 
yeah, start saving now. <laughs> so uh, if if for those who are new to uh, personal finance, right? So you can start by uh, tracking your expenses right now. Okay, uh, just uh, start now. Then you can know how much you spend and also how much you save, right? So uh, actually my advice to uh, everyone here on how, how I save money is not just apply to the incoming inflation. Yeah, it, it will apply to every uh, every day, every year, that uh, whatever, what the year is, inflation, deflation, whatever. So the saving tips will be the same, okay, for all. So my advice is just uh, keep, uh, yeah, keep tracking on your expenses, spend below your mean, so that you will always have some savings, right? So uh, another tips, yeah, I can share with you guys is you, because to some, okay, some B40s uh, do, do not have, maybe do not have uh, enough income to save, right? Yeah, we can understand the low income, then also their commitment. So what you can try to do is try to check your surrounding in your house, your house or anything that you didn't use at all, like the nice clothes you bought but you didn't wear at all, or the gadget that uh, already left there collecting dust, or the books you buy, you already finished reading but you still left there untouched, right? So what you can do is you can start, uh, if you, uh, you can start selling them if you confirm you didn't use, uh, you don't want to use them anymore. So sell them in, uh, Facebook Marketplace or Carousel, also in Muda. So uh, that is one of my uh, habits to, no, one of my way to earn some side income with my existing item. I think this is a very uh, low hanging fruit for most of us here because when we say about side income, we will say, oh, I need to find some job to work on, to earn some money is too hard. So this Selling unused item is one of the low hanging fruit. I would say, very easy for anyone who have, uh, who always buy extra thing, have extra. Uh, maybe you have three keyboard, three mouse. That uh, the two mouse is left over there, just untouched. You can consider to sell them to increase, uh, to make some side income and increase some saving for yourself during this inflation. Right? So you can do this. Uh, every time you found that you have an unused item. So that's the tip. Yeah, I will give yeah. all of us here. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much, Marcus. Those are uh, quite, 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 quite good tips over there. Like, you know, uh, at the end of the day, just readjust your wants and needs. Just make sure whether, uh, see whether you really need this thing or not, or whether it's a want. And uh, a good thing you mentioned is to look at all your leftovers. Okay? If you have a lot of leftovers, stuff that, stuff that you guys no longer use, maybe it's time to just... Uh, open a garage sale, you know, and probably me and Mr. Sunny will go there and see what you have to sell. Uh. But uh, Mr. Sunny, on to you. What are you currently doing to beat inflation? Are you, are you even, I mean, because when we look at uh, normal investors, right, I mean, at least on my perspective, like, I, I, I tend to look at, you know, fixed deposits and what I was like, they only give 3-4%. What's my point of putting it into fixed deposit when it doesn't even beat inflation? I don't know whether that's the right perspective to have, but just share with us what, what, what you're currently doing. Um, I think Marcus is spot on uh, with respect to um, 
almost immediately what you should be doing is you know that inflation eats into what we call disposable income. You used to have 500 ringgit ex- extra every month because you managed to spend less than you earn. But because of inflation, that goes down to maybe 200 ringgit every month. Hopefully, it doesn't go down to zero, even turns into negative. So that's really the part where you need to sit down and ensure that inflation doesn't cause your disposable income to move from positive to negative or the balance doesn't move from positive to negative because if it moves to negative, you need to do something. You need to then find out where do I cut my expenditure in order to maintain that balance between income more than expenses. That is the balance that always needs to be kept. Okay, So so that's very important uh, in this inflationary environment because you sometimes don't realize that inflation just eats away uh, in terms of your disposable balances, positive balances. Um, of course, on the so-called balance sheet side, on the investment side, it's difficult because we are, of course, we are talking about, you're right, uh, uh, deposits don't cover inflation. You get negative, we call it negative real returns. But the alternative is basically you invest in something and the, and the, and the price goes down and you therefore have capital losses, which then makes you think that I should have just put it into fixed deposit. <laughs> inflation erodes, 3% of my capital much better than putting in a stock which goes down 30%. <laughs> so sometimes investment is a little bit more trickier um, in terms of trying to beat inflation. Um, but you maybe want to turn it around and say um, it's typically in in in, in um, uh, situations where there's high inflation, there's lower growth, uh, slower growth, there's, there's recessions. Those are times where millionaires are made. Those are times where if I have excess money, I should be putting it in, 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 into the markets according to my risk because over time, these pr- depressed prices will recover. So, so it's the total opposite of chasing prices. This is really um, having the guts to go in and, and everybody will refer back to all the idioms which are like when there's blood on the streets, there's a time to buy. When people are selling, there's a, there's a time that I'm going to be greedy. So if you really believe in all these things which Warren Buffett said and so on, then this is really the time where you should be trying to, to, to create more and more cash flow so that you can pump it into um, um, uh, um, um, the respective investments that suit you uh, and then you wait it out because eventually uh, those are going to give you um, uh, good returns you know, over the long run. So, so it's not so much immediate, I guess, uh, when it comes to investment. Uh, more immediate would be to look at your balances and, 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 and deal with it on that, on that level. Yeah, yeah. Again, like, echoing back what you said also, I think the biggest statement here that we should all learn is in this current environment with recession coming in and all, not losing money is making money, right? And, and at the end of the day, when you look at, when you try and chase high APYs, when you try to beat inflation, there is always an increased risk. Yeah, I like to go with this, like the higher the APY, the much higher the risk, okay? So uh, for me personally, if I were to share some of my tips is... Uh, is to always pay yourself first, okay? When the salary comes in, don't, don't, don't pay anyone else but yourself first. Just make sure you allocate some money for yourself, either for uh, investing in your knowledge or if you're a dollar cost averaging into the market, just make sure you do that first. At least you secure some part of your, your future. Lah. 
And uh, uh, I know some of fixed deposit right now, there is also a minimum balance, right? Some of the minimum balance is a bit harder to achieve. Like Maybank is 5K, some of the banks is 10K, right? And it requires you to lock up the funds for some period of time. What I'm currently doing, uh, because I'm not a very high income person also, is uh, I put some of my money in Touch and Go first, those flexible apps like Touch and Go, Versa. And when I have enough money to put it to fixed deposit, then I'll just take the money out from these cash apps and just go with fixed deposits. Uh. Uh, and right now, I prefer, my personal preference is to go with fixed deposits because it's insured. Okay, uh, For those of you guys who do not know, FD is actually, uh, not to say extremely safe, lah, it's just a very low risk. Hey, Mr. Sunny can correct me on this one. And it's insured by PIDM, okay, Perbadanan Insurance Deposit Malaysia, up to 250000 uh, per depositor per bank. So you can assure yourself that uh, your funds are pretty much safe over there, okay? And you, when you look at the OPR rates, okay, the overnight policy rate, Bank Nagara Malaysia is projected to hike the OPR rates twice more, okay, in the first half of this year. I've written a few threads about it. I'm sure some of you guys have seen and then you can really look at this perspective and tell yourself that this is might be a good opportunity to save like, because the FDs that the banks offer, they are giving you a much higher rate as compared to one or two years ago. Like, okay, So uh, um, I think if there are no comments from Marcus or Mrs. Sunny, are there, are there any comments on this, this, this uh, perspective? Am I saying anything wrong or whatnot, Mrs. Sunny? No, no, go ahead. No, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Marcus? What's your what's your thought on this fixed deposits? Everything all right with this? Yeah, I'm agree with you that yeah, uh, fixed deposits is actually uh, safer, but I'm the risk taker and prefer Versa <laughs> and Dashinko. <and> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even even I have more than five thousand, I will still stick with Versa. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm also currently trying out Versa, and uh, I've tried out Versa for the past uh, three weeks. I'm a new customer over there. And my personal experience has been quite a blast. Like, I think you guys should go and check it out. Uh, but it's not Sharia compliant, uh, guys. So if you're if you're a Muslim, you're looking for Sharia com com compl compliance, then uh, Versa is probably not for you. You probably might want to just go ahead with Touch and Go. Like. Touch and Go has two earned features, Go Plus and Go Invest. Do go and check it out, guys. Uh, right now, we will just quickly head on over to the Q&A session. Uh, we are supposed to just keep this session to an hour. But anyway, we just want to just address some of the questions that you guys have. Um, there's one question. Will you encourage Malaysians who are planning to work at Singapore? Okay, I think let me just rephrase this question. Will you encourage Malaysians to work in Singapore because Singapore is more economically fruitful? Uh, what is your advice? And uh, thank you, sir. Okay, so I think Mr. Sunny is working over there. So uh, <laughs> do we work in Singapore or not? <laughs> Okay, um, I know it's very attractive when you look at it from the exchange rate perspective. Lah. So, you know, um, salaries are fairly high here. Um, you know, even fresh graduates earn nowadays 3000 for example. Um, so, what my advice would be this. Um, don't just look at the, do your sums, do work out your sums. Don't just look at the headline salary figure. Okay, so of course you take you take the headline and you times it by three point two or three point three, and you say this is much more that I can earn from in from Malaysia similar job itself. Uh, then of course you might have to take into account the fact that um, accommodation is fairly expensive here, yeah, unless you want to travel to and fro from Johor. Food is fairly cheap, um, so there's no issue at all. Um, but the 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 sums have to work out. 
So, so I, uh, uh, you can join some of these FB groups, Facebook groups, which um, um, where a lot of people who work here, they will share their experience. You can ask questions. A lot of them are very nice. They will tell you what are the costs to take into account. And once you work out your sums and you come up with your balance, oh, if I work in Singapore, taking into account all these inconveniences, if I stay in JB, taking into account all the costs, if I stay in Singapore and eat in Singapore, and so on and so forth, um, I have a balance of about 500 Sing dollars every month. You know, maybe let's say, for example, um, that works out to be 1,005 ringgit. Uh, is it worth it? Um, to make that switch from Malaysia to Singapore for that 1,500 ringgit per month. Okay, so that really is a question because different people have different tolerance. Some people say it's not worth it. Uh, you know, unless it's 3,000, then I'll move. Some people say, oh, as long as it's 1,500, I'll, I'll move because I can save up and such. So, so you need to look at it from that perspective. Um, and then the question, of course, always is, um, is there an objective behind it? Um, if I'm thinking that I'm young, I haven't get married yet, I want to spend the next three years saving money up, and the, and, and, and the only way I can really save up is to come down here, and I've worked out my sum is 1,005, so every year I save 18,000 ringgit. If I work here for three years, it's 18,000 times three, then I can take the money back and start a business or do whatever I want, put down a deposit for a home. You know, so that's a plan. So so this coming to Singapore can be part of that plan if you work out your sums uh, uh, co correctly. Lah. That's what I'm, 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 I'm trying to say. Um, there are certain uh, uh, qualitative advantages um, uh, which you may also want to consider, which is having worked here maybe after a certain number of years, the experience that you gain from being in a much more competitive environment, I would say, um, when you bring it back to Malaysia, it may work in your favour. Uh, so that's something which money, you can't put a dollar sign to it at this point, but it's something which you may want to factor into your consideration if you want to come down here to work. So, so I've always um, um, said that uh, these are things that you need to consider. Um, sometimes um, it is even, and this again depends on which industry and such, it is even more advantageous um, for the lower segment of job scope. I know we've seen the uh, advertisements, or not advertisements, we've seen the TikToks where, for example, I don't know if you've seen that, uh, this this Malay boy who is down here, um, while he's doing uh, Kutit Sampah, he's, 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 he's a garbage collector here. He, um, um, it's, it's, again, to me, doesn't matter. It's a respectable job, pekerjaan yang halal. I think he earns, if I'm not wrong, you know, a couple of, uh, converted back to, to ringgit, a couple of thousand ringgit itself, maybe 2,000 ringgit something which given his level of education he would never ever be able to get he'll probably be 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 doing a couple of three four hundred dollar three three four hundred ringgit job in Malaysia compared to here so the the jurang the 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 difference between him staying in Malaysia and coming to Singapore is so much wider it just makes absolute sense to 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 come down and and, and give it a shot um, but I think that 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 differentiation probably narrows as you go up this the 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 education scale uh, maybe again different sectors have different so I think everybody has to just sit back and do their sums uh, and take into consideration those things which I mentioned 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, there is, uh, again, there's consequences. Uh, make sure you do your own research. Don't just look at the Singapore dollar right now and go like, wow, <laughs> you know, uh, because uh, that's, that's, that's what a lot of Malaysians think. Lah. But when you go down there, you stay there, you have to, you know, uh, change your expenditure, change your perspective also. Lah. So just be sure to make sure you do your own research and, and, and uh, before you just go down there head on. Okay, uh, we we do, we have quite a few questions, but uh, I I don't want to keep this session too long, so I'll probably just take, uh, probably two more questions. The rest of which, uh, I think Mr. Sunny and Marcus, you guys can actually reply reply to the to the thread. Okay, so the bottom right hand corner of this space, there's comments, right? Later after the session, I think I will just uh, delegate these questions to Marcus and Mr. Sunny, and you guys can really just reply to uh, their tweets with a written statement that will actually. Uh, make the listeners a bit happier, okay? Uh, but just let me just take a look at the questions one more time. Uh, with the incoming recession this year, what are some tips to make sure we stay afloat? Uh, I think this one we covered just now already during the earlier part of the session. We talked about how to save money, how to track our expenses, uh, how to actually spend less than you earn, okay? Right. So but I think... If, don't... I, if, I, if I want to add this one, I think uh, just to mm. add... Sure, sure, um, sure. Uh, I, I always think... You know, sometimes we, whenever I, I, as an economist, I, I try and predict when recessions will come. Whenever I feel that recession is coming, I tend to ask myself, where are my um, um, vulnerabilities? Uh, what, are, am I over leveraged? Um, are there certain things? So, so in going to recessions, I've done things like sell properties which I own, which I think that it's you know um, I don't want to be saddled with 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 um, uh, uh, installments which I have to pay. You know, uh, in this current situation, I've actually uh, there was a point where uh, my car uh, in Singapore you can only use your car up to ten years, then you need to renew it. So it, when I came to that point and I said, looking ahead, look like the, there's going to be an economic growth. I don't want to buy. I want to rent. So I actually rented a car. So I'm now driving a rented car. I'm, it's not, uh, why? Because rented car offers me the ability to stop whenever I want to. Um, instead of me being committed to paying an installment on a car which I bought. So these are some flexibilities I feel um, you need to sit down and ask yourself and do scenario planning. What if my salary is cut by 30%? What if I lose my job? then you will then realize the answers to that. those questions will tell you your vulnerability. Um, and, and when you realize that you are vulnerable in certain aspects, then you need to do something to try and cover those vulnerabilities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you for the thoughts, Mrs. Sunny. Uh, Marcus, do you have any comments on this? What are you currently preparing when you look at the recession? Uh, what, are, what are the tips to stay afloat? Okay, uh, so I would like to add uh, two more points. So one is career-wise, right? Like what Mr. Sunny said, yeah, we should prepare for pay cut. But in uh, another point you can do uh, about your career is you try to be proactive and accept new challenge in your work okay, to do different things. Is to increase your value so that you won't get fired. Or uh, yeah, pay cut may be uh, unavoidable, I would say, if during the recession, right? So uh, company do that to stay afloat themselves. So for ourselves, for uh, for us as an employee, so we try to increase our value so that we are indispensable. Uh, how to say that word? Yeah, so that uh, your boss will 
uh, see you as a valuable asset and will not easily just fire you out, right? So that is one uh, point. Another one is you can do is to start uh, add up. Uh, I mean, start to create a new income source, right? If you only work as a, uh, your only income is full-time job, you should start uh, creating uh, another uh, income source. I think the easiest way is to start uh, investing in the low risk investment, right? Versa, like what just now uh, we mentioned, right? So, uh, and you can also start a side income job, yeah, just to increase your cash flow uh, flowing in so you can stay afloat in the recession. Yeah, that's my second point. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Marcus. Uh, probably right now is the best time to start to learn how to make some coffee for your boss. Lah, okay, just serve him coffee every morning, then he'll probably uh, feel bad when he wants to do a pay cut or fire you. <laughs> I guess that's one of the uh, uh, quote-unquote ways to, to, to make yourself indispensable. Lah. Okay, uh, we'll just go on over uh, some other questions. I have a few DMs also. Sorry if I cannot address your questions, uh, but uh, I will try and accommodate everyone over here. Uh, this one, this question over here is uh, what retirement instruments, funds or assets do you guys invest into and how do you save up for it? So, Mrs. Honey, retirement. You're closer to retirement, so I'll just let you start first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, it's, it's, it's really a, a question of um, um, you've got your EPF, CPF. I've got my CPF here. Um, so that's that's going to generate me some money when I retire. Okay, then basically if you've got an additional property, that's going to give you some rental. And of course, you try and pay up the property by the time you retire. Then you've got your stocks and bonds and stuff like that, whom, which basically upon retire, retirement, you hope that the value has gone up and so on. So it's a, it's a question on when you look at your balance sheet on the assets. By the time you retire, in general, your asset side of your balance sheet should be quite packed. And the liability side, which potentially was used to finance your assets over long term, but you've been paying down the liability. So that should be very uh, trim or slim or, or even absent by the time you retire because retirement, after all, is is is, is a, a time where you draw down on your assets. Um, I personally, although approaching retirement age, thank you for reminding me, um, I don't intend to retire, basically. I, I, I currently even teach and, and I would like to continue to teach maybe instead of part-time, maybe full-time and such. So, you know, keeps me keeps me on my toes and gets me some additional income and such. So, these are some things, um, and I don't think that, I think people nowadays realize there's no real retirement per se. Uh, cost of living is high, and also you want to remain active. We're, 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 we're living longer and such. Um, so, you try and pick up skills which we can continue um, to to use um, even in your in your in your retirement period, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, and Marcus, do you have any thoughts on this uh, retirement? Uh, I think you you are further. I mean, you you are closer to me lah compared to retirement. <laughs> right now, I'm still in my twenties, so I won't I won't consider about retirement just yet. But uh, what about you? Hmm. I yeah. I'm closer to you. I'm in my early thirty age. But I already start planning for my retirement. Uh, some people will say early retirement, but I actually plan to retire at 50. But like what Mr. Sunny said, right, we should uh, stay active even though we retire. 
So I already plan out. I want to keep writing out, even though I'm already retired. I will keep writing financial content. This is what I like. So that's my planning. And in terms of asset, right? Uh, I will uh, keep investing in stock because uh, I'm familiar with it. I will keep investing in US index fund until I'm retired. So after that, I will start to yeah, uh, slowly. Uh, if I if possible, I can uh, I will just uh, use the passive income generated from the uh, my investment to uh, how to say keep my retirement uh, to to basically to supply my retirement. Yeah, yeah sustain my, my retirement. So that's my <laughs> that's my idea. And uh, another idea is uh, for those who are thinking, okay, I already have my ETF, it's enough for me, I don't need any to invest any asset, right? I will probably advise you to uh, create your own retirement account uh, other than EPF, right? Because we have no idea. Uh, EPF is actually a good investment, but we have no idea uh, how much to end up when we retire, right? If the EPF is not enough, right? you uh, end up uh, using already and you don't have any saving uh, left because you only rely on EPF. So my advice is you should have a separate retirement uh, investment, okay, uh, aside from EPF. Yeah, that's my, one of my advice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Marcus, for the, for the useful tips also. La. Just make sure for those of you guys who are closer to the retirement age, have uh, some multiple streams of uh, prob probably income and look for dif different options. Uh, basically, don't just uh, probably rely on your EPF because you never know. La, okay, uh, I, I think I'll just accept one more question and this one is from a DM also. Uh, after that, I think uh, Marcus and Mr. Sunny, you guys can go ahead and address any questions within the space itself, within the comments. You guys can just reply to those comments. Uh, the final question okay. of... Is uh someone in their early thirties? Wow, uh, this is relatable to you, uh, Marcus. <laughs> so, so this guy just uh, or this girl, perhaps this guy just got uh financially aware. Probably, maybe it's because of our space, okay. And he's and he's saying, "Oh shit! Oh crap!" Uh, he's starting to panic, okay. And he believes that he is way behind the financial awareness ladder, okay. So, what do you what 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 do you advise right now? Okay, so 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 let's say for a person at the thirties, they just start to be aware of personal finance. What what do they have to work on, Marcus? What do you think? Mm, first thing first, yeah, everyone has a different stages, right? So, as long as you start to aware of your current financial status, it is okay to be uh behind than maybe among your peers. It's okay. Don't feel uh, guilty about that. I believe they are still 40 or 50 years old guy that doesn't realize they're in the financial rights at all. So uh, when you realize, when you have that awareness, I will say it's already a good start for you. So from there on, you can, yeah, as usual, like we should start uh, measuring our uh, current financial, uh, I mean, income and expenses. So you know your current financial status, how much debt you have, how much, uh, how long you need uh, to pay off your debts and then start saving for an emergency fund. After that, start to build your investment. It's uh, step by step. You don't want to rush it. If you are having a lot of debt, 
don't try to push yourself to uh, start allocate money to invest. No, I don't think that's a good idea because uh, you will be very financially stressful if you try to do that. So try to take it step by step. Okay, don't uh, don't compare yourself with other peers who maybe already done this 10 years ago. They already start uh, planning for financial, their financial journey 10 years ago. So just uh, look at yourself and try to do it step by step. Pay your debt first. After that, build your savings, build emergency fund. Of course, you also need to have an insurance like what Mr. Sunny said. Uh, yeah, I think insurance is also an important part. I'm not so deep into it. Yeah, I just, just put it on the surface. After that, you can start to build your investment. Yeah, that's my advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Sunny, pass the ball to you. Uh, I mean, right now, you're probably, I'm assuming your age is, uh, let, let, me ch- let me check and guess now, okay? I think you're around, uh, you, 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 I think you got, to, has, you got to be close to 50, right? Okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Be close to fifty, right? Okay, so so uh, okay, but, but but anyway, I'll 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 take that anytime. Thank you. You take that anytime. Okay, so in that case, you're over fifty. Right? <laughs> it means you're real close to retirement. But but, but um, anyway, but back to the question. Let's say let's say there's this guy on their thirties, maybe even forties. Okay, let's say worst case scenario, fifties. What do they do? What do they do right now if they just realize that? Oh crap! You know, I I haven't been managing my money properly. Now I need to. Uh, talk about personal finance. What do I need to do? Well, you need guidance, basically. Uh, a lot of times, I think this generation, you can find that on the internet and you start looking around, you start planning, you're looking and learning yourself. Um, but don't forget that basically there are people out there who are professionals. And, and of course, I'm saying this because I myself, I'm a CFP and, and my I work for a company, which is a financial planning company. But there are really out there people, good people who are qualified who um, can help you plan this journey. So, because it's not as simple as I want to invest and make as much money as I can and, and, and so on. It really is a lot of things. And I'll give you an example. You know, you may think that basically retiring is basically planning to obtain a certain amount of money at the end of the rainbow, which is 20 years down the road. Well, first of all, you need to understand is how to reach there and how to reach there is a myriad of different variables. How much can you save? Well, if you're going to save, you can only tell me you can save. And we work out that you can only save 200 ringgit a month. And your risk profile is now you're young. Of course, you can be aggressive. But even an aggressive investor's portfolio grows about 8% to 10% per annum, let's say, over a 20-year period. Guess what? This amount that you're going to save only allows you to grow it up to 200,000, 300,000 ringgit by the end of it. So if you're dreaming of a million-dollar retirement, I'm sorry, I have to go and burst your bubble. Whatever you're saving today only reaches 300,000. So these people help you inject reality into your projections because these are professionals and they tell you like well you know yeah you're going to get three hundred thousand dollars by the end of it and guess what inflation by the time is going to make the real real purchasing power only worth about hundred thousand so you're like oh shit man so so these are people who will help you realize that then they'll come in and they'll go and burst your bubble further and say guess what in the middle of it if you don't insure yourself you end up in hospital uh like for example recently a family member of mine ended up in hospital. My dad ended up in hospital because of dengue. Uh, I put him into a private hospital. It cost me like 13,000 ringgit uh, because he's old and I wanted the, the best kind of uh, 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 medical attention. That's, again, 
13,000 ringgit out of, if you haven't planned for it, no one's paying for you and you play for yourself, that's out from your retirement fund. So you need to then cover yourself uh, from that perspective. And then you also need to think about the inevitable or rather the thing about the, the consequences if you suddenly die off. So you've been planning all the while, you die off midway through, you've got family members, estate planning comes into place because you need to then make sure that your family is looked after because you're no longer around. So it's really while you're, you are, you're at your 20s and 30s and you just merely think about how fast can I retire, how much I can get. It's really a complicated process which brings in the protection element, it brings in the estate planning element and also the original investment element. And that's really what financial planning is all about. It's, a, it's planning, having an objective, planning for your future, but making sure you reach there. And if you don't reach there, at least things are taken care on your behalf if you're not, you're not there. Things along that way. So it's, it's, more, it's more to then just investing itself in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. Wow. A lot, a lot of things we, we shared tonight. Okay? And, and I think it was a really insightful session. Uh, I think just to wrap everything up, it's been one and a half hours already. <laughs> Sorry to keep you guys here for long, especially for the speakers. I only uh, told them it's going to be an hour, maximum an hour, 15 minutes. But now it's almost 11 o'clock already. But, but anyway, just to really quickly summarize everything we said, I, I, I guess the most important lesson that we've learned here today is the tra- tracking back to the first thing we said, like, is make sure you spend less than you earn, uh, track your spending, remember to pay yourself first, okay, and not losing money is making money. And, and, and if you're looking for, if you're lost currently financially, do make sure you seek advice from from qualified financial advisors. I mean, maybe you can uh, slide into Mr. Sunny's DMs or whatnot. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's session. Uh, I, I really want to thank you, the speakers, again, for uh, joining tonight's session, agreeing to, to come up to the space and talk about personal finance. And for those of you guys who missed the earlier part of the session, do not worry. This entire session is recorded right after I end this space. You can head on over to our profile and you can re-listen everything. Okay, if you like uh, Mr. Sunny's voice, okay, you can miss, you can re-listen to his voice multiple times. You can also listen to his voice on Spotify. Okay, so uh, I think two or three days later, I'll probably clean this recording up, just uh, eliminate some of the awkward silences and also put it on uh, our Spotify Okay, so I think Marcus has already uh, dropped down to a listener already. I wanted to just uh, ask if any of you guys have any last words, but uh, I'll just ask Mrs. Sunny. Mrs. Sunny, any last words for the session tonight? Yes, I saw Marcus still speaker. Like. Uh, for me, it's, uh, Marcus oh. is, has become a listener already. <laughs> oh, mine has a lag, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no I, I, well, I think I've, I've, I've said everything I, I, I wanted to say. Um, I think um, everybody, like in the, in the last... Converse, uh, last conversation I had prior to this was everybody should look at this journey uh, not just in terms of investment in terms of holistically uh, because that's really the case um, you know whether and, and and if you can get some advice from from professionals of course I know there's there's there's, there's it's difficult sometimes to find good people uh, to to advise you um, so even that itself you need to to do a bit of homework um, uh, you know, word of mouth, reviews, find a good advisor, find a good professional CPF accredited, a CPF, CFP, sorry, CFP accredited uh, 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 professional uh, because it makes a difference. You don't want to make mistakes and self-study, sometimes you make mistakes uh, because 
time is of essence and, and changing costs midway through is, is quite uh, uh, expensive in terms of uh, uh, lost opportunities and such. Yeah, so get it right um, and then uh, um, stay on that journey, lah, basically. Yeah, talking about qualified uh, CFPs, right? Mr. Sunny is one of them. Lah, so he's indirectly shilling himself right there, guys. So do approach him. Yeah, I'll probably have to pass it on to someone because I, yeah. So, uh, sorry, Mr. Sunny, I think I uh, lost you there. Is it me or, 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 or uh, Mr. Sunny? Marcus, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I think it's Mr. I think Sunny. It's Mr. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, we are no longer accepting questions. Uh, so for those of you guys who request to be speakers, sorry, I have to reject you guys. But uh, Marcus, any last words for the session tonight? Mm, yeah, just stand below me. <laughs> like what we just now talked, right? Uh, yeah, uh, just stay afloat. Keep your savings uh, every month. And yeah, just I think in personal... Uh, as a personal blogger, right? So I will always advise to have, uh, to um, don't don't be afraid to start your uh, personal finance journey, right? So uh, you just have to start uh, small. Don't compare with other, even though you are thirty or forty or fifty. So it's okay to start late. Uh, for investing wise, yeah, first you need to have uh, pay all your debts. Uh, I mean. All the high interest debt first, have a uh, emergency fund, have an insurance before you start invest. So uh, you do this, uh, you follow these rules uh, even within recession or without recession, right? Just throughout the years, you you've, you've just uh, listen from the, uh, on the same advice from me. Yeah, that's all I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Marcus. Okay, guys, uh, for those of you guys in the audience, if you guys are still here, uh, just do us a quick favor. Head on over to Mr. Sunny's profile, Marcus's profile. Just click on follow, okay? Just follow these two talented individuals, okay? Just keep track of their tweets. And while you're at it, just follow us, okay? Just follow us meanwhile also. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much uh, for the speakers. I wish you guys good night. Goodbye. Stay safe. Till the next session, guys. Bye. All right. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye.